We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. It is Friday, November 10th, 2017, otherwise known as the best day of the year. DJ Trainer here joined by Shannon McEwen. You can find us on Twitter at TrainerDJ and at RotoShannon. No K-Train today. He is heading to Chicago to take in a Northwestern Purdue game uh, with his kiddos. So hopefully he has a good time. Shannon, I think we'll be able to manage without him somehow, some way. This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't already found it, feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know we'd love to have it. You can also listen and download this podcast and all of our Rotowire Network podcasts on rotowire.com itself. Shannon, do you know why today is the best day out of the whole year? I assumed it was because of Ken's absence, but since that's every other week, it can't be that. (laughs) It's my birthday today, Ah. and I can't think of a better way to spend today confined in a closed space with you talking about fantasy basketball. Happy birthday, and that sounds like a miserable way 
to spend it. Yeah, I can think of a million other things I'd rather be doing now, but happy to be here. We're going to have a nerdy fantasy basketball podcast today. We're going to be diving deep into some names that you maybe haven't heard on some mainstream NBA podcasts. The heart of this podcast, we're going to just get into some overall strategy for keeper leagues, for season-long leagues, and in DFS. We'll close up with some Friday FanDuel picks. Um and of course, we'll start we'll start things off with some top news from around the league. Before we do that, though, Shannon, I understand you have a word from for our nice listeners here. Yes, most of you have played daily fantasy sports, and I already know how it went for you. You had fun playing, you loved the competition, and you lost, and then you lost, and then you lost some more. The Sharks crush you, you quit playing DFS. Playing DFS was fun, continually losing wasn't. Fanball has created a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports. The Fanball number at Fanball.com. Here's the Fanball difference. Your Fanball number identifies your skill level and ensures that you play against players of similar of a similar level. So if your Fanball number is 35, you're not going up against experts rated in the 80s or 90s. You know, hence, DJ and I are never going to play against each other. Now, they have their own contest at, at, at Fanball.com. Every player has a fanball number. Every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around 35 and slot into that same skill level. Yep. Fanball has leveled the playing field with the fanball number. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Um, definitely check out their basketball contest. They have those live right now and, and NFL contests as well. Um, there's some RotoWire exclusive contests in there, so some good GPPs and, and double ups, some head to heads. Uh, check it out. I hi- highly recommend it. And the the salary cap is different than what you'll find on other sites, so so it's a little nuanced and 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 fun to navigate if you've been playing a lot on the other DFS sites. This one will give you a kind of a fresh approach. Yeah, I'll admit I haven't checked it out yet. I know you have many many times over. Um, I'm excited to jump on there, and uh, hopefully one day soon my score will rise up to that of the great. Shannon McEwens. Let's kick things off with some top news here on this Friday, November 10th morning. You can check out all these breaking news right on rotowire.com. Um, I'm literally reading off what our fine NBA writers have already uh, written earlier about these, so feel free to check these out at any point uh, throughout the NBA season. Let's kick things off with Stephen Adams left in the fourth quarter of Thursday's loss to the Nuggets with a calf contusion and will be evaluated later on Friday. Now, by the time you're listening to this, you've probably already determined the severity of Adams' injury because I'm sure that'll come out here at any minute now. Uh, more so, just bringing this up, Shannon. Not that I'm fearful that Adams is going to miss a bunch of time. He'll, you know, could definitely miss one three, even five games, perhaps. Uh, it's just that the front court for the Thunder, very, very shallow. You're, you're looking behind Adams at the center depth chart. We got Dakari Johnson, old man Nick Collison, and Patrick Patterson. Adams is averaging, I believe, a career high uh, in minutes played, 30.7. It seems to me like the Thunder would be a major candidate for one of those big man buyout guys later on this season. So you're Greg Monroe's, maybe somebody like an Andrew Bogut, Tyson Chandler, if they decide, if Phoenix decides to wiggle out of next year's. Uh, part of the contract as well. Overall, just not seeing a lot of depth in the front court for the Thunder so far. No, you'd have to assume they're going to be looking for help there later in the season. I mean, John- Johnson and Collison were DNPs last night. 
So they're, I mean, they're not even a part of the regular nine man rotation right now. I'd I'd figure if Adams misses some time, one of them will work their way into the rotation, but Patrick Patterson's probably going to see the biggest bump. Um, He played 13 minutes last night. I think that'll be a, a huge increase. If Adams misses time, we could see him play upwards of 30 plus minutes. Um, he's not going to be a revelation from a fantasy standpoint, but he might be worth running out in deeper leagues just as a short-term plug-in or a cheap DFS option. I'm not high on the production that he'll he'll offer you, though. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I wouldn't be concerned for Adams' value heading on into the season that, oh, they're going to add somebody like a, a Tyson Chandler or Greg Monroe, per se. Adams still had a lot of value when uh, Enos Cantor was coming off the bench behind him. So no worries there. In fact, Adams is, is having a career year right now. So kudos to you if you picked him up in pretty much any format because he's going or his value right now is a little bit higher than where he was getting drafted for sure. Let's keep it moving here to Shannon's new favorite player in the league. Nicholas Batum has progressed to two-on-two contact work in practice and is targeting Wednesday against the Cavaliers as a possible return date. It's not often that you say they've progressed to two-on-two work but could also play um, within a week. Um, You've been just sending me message after message after message about Batum, how Batum is a top 40 player based on averages over the 40 year. So here's your platform, Shannon. Tell the fine folks about your new favorite NBA player. I don't, I don't need to defend Nicholas Batum. Nick Batum is a good fantasy player. Everyone who plays fantasy for the past seven, eight years knows that. I mean, he's a perennial top 40, top 50 type. I just like rubbing it in your face because I have him stashed on a couple benches and the fact that my teams are already unstoppable in those <laughs> leagues, and now I'm getting a top 40, top 50 type back in the mix, and I can bench someone like, I don't know, Justice Winslow or some other bum and start start Batum instead. I mean, yes, you should be trembling in your boots. Yeah, so easily, based on that soliloquy, you can see how there's not real like any argument here aside from Shannon and I just bickering about usual stuff. My team's better than yours. I love Nick Batum too. Somehow we got caught up in this argument about Nick Batum. I love him too. I think it's awesome that if you grabbed him because he's coming back so soon um, that he's going to be super valuable and he does have the potentiality to be a top 50 player at the end of this season if his health continues uh, on once he does come back. He He really isn't going to miss that many games. No, and if if you're in like an 18 eight-team league that for some reason he's not stashed because there's not an IR spot or whatever it may be, now's the time to pick him up. Um, If he's available in your shallow league, definitely pick him up. He's better than some of the options you're running out right now. You know, if you're starting like a Jalen Brown type and and Batum's available, you want Batum over Jalen Brown. Yeah, that's great advice there, Shin. I will say, um, if you're in an eight-team league, which I am in a couple of them, and it's head-to-head, he better have already been selected. I I, I get so aggravated with people, which is fine, because I'll just take advantage of it in the leagues that I'm in, when guys like uh, Zach Levine, Nick Batum, Jabari Parker aren't owned in head-to-head leagues, because that guy is going to come through right when you need him to. He's going to be fully healthy. All three of those guys should be fully healthy um, when your head-to-head playoffs start. I cannot understand why people don't stash guys like that. I agree with you about Batum and Levine because, I mean, especially Batum, we always knew like December was a realistic return date. He's coming back a little bit early. Um, Levine's been progressing really well. 
Jabari Parker is a different story, though. He he might only play like 10 games this season. Your fantasy playoffs could be done before he even makes an impact because those 10 games, I mean, those 10 or 20 games, he could be limited for the first half of them. I, I'm not buying Jabari Parker, but I hear you. Batum, Levine, Isaiah Thomas, yeah, in, in head-to-head leagues, especially if they're, I mean, no doubt, 100%, if there's an IR spot, those players all should have been drafted. Yep, I'll, I'll concede that point, especially if you're looking at the standings right now. And, and this is only head-to-head leagues. Rotisserie leagues, I can understand not being able to use a roster spot, especially on somebody like Jabari Parker. But as soon as the set of the standings start to make themselves clear in your league, and you're one of those top four teams and you know six, uh, eight, maybe even ten teams in some more forgiving leagues make the playoffs, you better be making a push to grab some of those guys like Jabari Parker, Isaiah Thomas, if you know you're going to make it, because your team really will be unstoppable um, come playoff time if those guys are rounding home into their own health. Uh, Let's keep it moving here. I promise some deep dives. So let's talk about Jared Allen, young rookie out of Texas playing for Brooklyn. Dealing with that foot issue will sit out Friday's tilt against the Trailblazers. Reason why I bring him up is I've been a little bit disappointed with his usage so far, and now this is coming for a couple different reasons. Um, He's obviously playing behind Timofey Mozgov. He's had this injury. And I think more so than anything, why he hasn't seen just exploratory playing time. I'm not saying he's a really good player by any means. It just seems like a team like Brooklyn should play him. Brooklyn isn't half bad this year. And so they're actually able to go out there and win games with some lineups where Trevor Booker, Quincy Acey are sliding down to play center. So, um, you know, I stashed Jared Allen in some keeper leagues and some super, super deep leagues, hoping that he'd break out at some point this season. And because Brooklyn is you know, arguably fighting for an eight seed in the East. Um, I don't know that he's going to get the playing time that I assumed he would on a bad Brooklyn team. So Brooklyn will not make the playoffs one, two, he is worth, he's not worth a stash necessarily, but I do, I still do believe he's going to make a minimal impact or a mid to deep level league impact later in the season. It's just going to be later in the season than we want. It's not going to be 20 games in. It's going to be like 60 games in. So you're looking at like like some of the guys who broke out for the Kings for the last 20, 25 games of the season last year, that sort of impact where at that point in the season, it'll be after the trade deadline. The Nets will have moved a few guys, maybe, maybe bought out a player or two. And Allen's going to be forced to play 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes. Um, really, his upside comes with his defensive stats, I believe. Yep. So he's already averaging a block and a steal per game in 15 minutes. That's where the upside is. I know I thought about stashing him, picking him up like a week ago um, in the NFBKC League, just because I need blocks so desperately mm-hmm. that I know he'll offer it up once he starts playing. It's just that we're probably, I think I'm like two months away from when I'll actually pick them up and stash them. Yeah, that's a really good point is that I, I'm, I'm not about to go out there and say the Nets are going to fight for the eight seed, but they're under, they're still under the, the delusion at four and seven where there's an outside shot. So Jarrett Allen's playing time should come and it should come in bulk at some point this season, but you're right, might be 60 games into the season as opposed to 20 or 40 like we all assumed it, it would be because we all just assumed Brooklyn was the worst team in the league. Um, If you're looking for a comp for Jared Allen, 
obviously this is a super small sample size, but I think Lucas Noguera, AKA Bebe out in Toronto is a really good one. If you look at his per 36 numbers, steals and blocks are just off the charts. Uh, again, small sample size with Jared Allen, but he could work his way into standard league relevancy by the end of the season because he's going out there and grabbing two steals, grabbing two blocks a game. So there's your deep dive, um, stash him away in the deepest of leagues when you feel comfortable to do that based on the tenor of your league's momentum so far. Luke Richard Mba Amute dealing with that knee issue has been ruled out. Well, he was ruled out for yesterday's game, Thursday's game against the Cavaliers. Uh, Mba Amute was the most added player in all the leagues that I was heading into this week, Shannon. Um, And obviously it makes sense. He's playing on a Houston team where he's seeing lots of open shots. Uh, Teams have never been shy uh, just to leave him open because he's not a great three-point shooter. But he's he's come through uh, for Houston so far this year. Uh, Injury obviously is stifling that. Um, But I saw him added. I, in fact, added him myself a couple places. Um, Do you think, though, long-term, aside from this injury right now, that he can work his way into standard league relevancy because he's going to be so efficient and knock down a few three-pointers per game because he's you know essentially the fifth focal point on a team that's trying to guard the Rockets. I'm skeptical that it'll last long-term. Um, he saw some extended run earlier in the season when Ariza missed a couple games. I mean, he's, his best games of the year came after Ariza returned, though, so I'm not trying to completely deny his breakout. I mean, the... The key here is that the fact that he's hitting threes, will he continue to hit three pointers at the clip he currently has? I, yes, probably just because that's the Rockets' MO. They're going to be chucking, but he's only shooting 31% from downtown. Uh, I, I would expect the production to dip from where it's currently at, but could he hold some minimal value, especially in deeper leagues like 14 team leagues? Sure. I just think he's more along the lines of a guy who's going to sit on your bench and you're only going to start him during like a four game week. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, He's just, when looking across the waiver wire heading into this week, this fantasy week, that is, um, he was one of the top guys in terms of, um, you know, ratings and and rankings and whatnot early into this season. But I'm sure most people looked at his name and were asking themselves a similar question. Let's keep it moving over to this Boston front court situation, Shannon. Al Horford with his concussion has been already ruled out for Friday's game against the Hornets. Likewise, Jason Tatum with his ankle issue is quite questionable to play Friday. We saw Aaron Baines go out in their last game and have his essentially his best statistical game of his career. He seems to be penciled in already for the start again Friday. Um, but how are things affected in that Boston rotation? Um, if, assuming Tatum will miss to miss tonight's action and we already know Horford is out too. Well, Tatum's absence will probably correlate into more minutes for for Marcus Morris. Uh, Morris is starting to work his way into shape. He's appeared in a few games now. So his his workload's going to increase, you know, even after Tatum uh, is healthy. Um, But we should see more minutes for Morris. For Baines, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get too excited. He only played 23 minutes against the Lakers with with Horford out. He's already been he's already seen 23 minutes, you know, three four other times this season even with Horford healthy. So it really didn't change his impact or his role on on the team much. He just had a good outing. He had a few more shots, you know, instead of taking five or six shots, he had he had 12 field goal attempts. But we've seen Baines have good games. Even when back when he was with the Spurs, he would have some really quality games when Duncan was sitting or something along those lines. And the same thing with the Pistons last year. So he'll have the occasional good game. I just 
unless I know that he's playing 32 minutes, I'm not comfortable running him out there. Like he's a decent, he's a decent dart for your for your DFS lineups tonight with Horford out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't just expect him to get another 35, 40 fantasy points like he did on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I think the. The thing here is that he took on more ownership of scoring because this was the first game that Horford missed. So obviously he was seeing time on the court, but he was basically just setting screens, getting the heck out of the way for Kyrie Irving, um, where now he felt more ownership that he needs to go out there and do something. But you know, playing time is the most important stat in fantasy, and you're right, Chan. Even though he's seeing 20-something minutes, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go off. I would say that the, the, ro- uh, the rotation shifts down a little bit, and so you need to look further up the ladder here and say that maybe Marcus Smart and maybe Terry Rogier might actually see um, some extended playing time because they can easily shift Marcus Morris down to power forward, um, which opens up you know small forward shooting guard for guys like Marcus Smart and Terry Rogier. So keep your eye on them. If you've ever been high on them at any point this season, then you probably should be even higher um, heading into tonight's game because they'll find a way to get them more minutes. Um, last one here, Danilo Gallinari, the rooster as Ken would say with his hip issue, has been ruled out for Friday's game against the Thunder. Gallinari was getting taken, you know, uh, probably right about average round, five, six rounds. Based on what he's done so far, it was a reach for him. However, him sitting out to deal with this injury seems like maybe he could get back on track and where he was drafted in fifth, sixth round could be, you know, he could live up to that when he comes back is what I, I'm asking you in a I, really I, weird way. Rooster, Rooster's averaging, he's only averaging 12.8 points per game right now. But if you look at the line, it's because he's shooting 35% from the floor, 26% from downtown. That's 10% below his, his career average from downtown and about 8% below his career average from the floor. Those numbers are going to increase. He's seen the playing time. He's seen the shots. So is he going to average 18, 19 points per game like he did with Denver the past two years? Yeah, it Probably not, but can he get back up to 16 or 17? Yeah, so I actually, I'm buying low on Gallinari right now. He's still knocking down 1.4 three-pointers per game, taking a career high, well, sorry, second most of his career, 5.6 attempts. So I'm buying I'm buying low on him. He's going to bounce back. It's essentially just a prolonged shooting slump to start the year. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one like me on my birthday, girlfriend Emily, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I know Ken has it, and he used it to go to that Northwestern Purdue game uh, tomorrow. So I know he's going to be enjoying SeatGeek or the benefit of having SeatGeek tomorrow at a cold Evanston game. Special offer here for our listeners. They get a $20 off their first purchase. All they have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTOMBA. That's promo code R-O-T-O-M-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. Let's move on to the broader topic for today, Shannon. I've got three questions for you. They deal with strategy when it comes to fantasy in both season-long keeper and DFS. Let's get right to it. 
Um, kicking it off with Keeper League. Uh, how do you know when to start tanking for next season in Keeper Leagues? Um, I, I think there's a very clear answer here, so I'll, I'll get that out of the way. Uh, go ahead. And, and so how do you know, Shannon, when to start tanking in Keeper Leagues? You probably know right after your draft, honestly. <laughs> I mean, so we're in a keeper league together. Did yes. you? I, I still feel like there was a false sense of hope that you needed to see it. You needed to see two, three weeks of the season to fully believe it. And maybe that's with you know with a loving with with a loving touch. I'm going to say because you're so stubborn. But I don't know that many people after their draft will 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 openly concede that there's no shot they have. I knew. So you declare your keepers in most keeper formats. You're going to declare your keepers, you know, a few days or a week before the draft. My one of my best keepers, unfortunately, in this league was Nick Batum, and I declared him as a keeper. And then two days later, he was the injury popped up, and we knew he was going to miss the first month or two of the season. Um, and from that point on, I kind of knew it was probably going to be a rebuilding year for me because it changed my approach in the auction. And then I ended up sta- I ended up reaching on cheaper rookies with higher long-term upside. So after after the Batum injury, and then in the auction, once I won a couple rookies that I really wasn't expecting to buy, it changed my approach mid-auction, and I essentially went into tank mode, even like after bidding on two players in the auction, I knew I was tanking for this year. That's how pathetic it was. Uh, And then it wasn't a matter of me waiting from that point to go full on tank. I was waiting for Dennis Schroeder to have some good games and, and build up his value. I'm waiting for Batum to get healthy so I can trade him. You know, I've got some expiring contracts that I'm going to move for players. I actually just traded Schroeder for, for Donovan Mitchell and Jonathan Isaac this week um, in that league. So that's, you know, those are the type of deals I'm looking for now, but I knew, I knew halfway through the auction. All right. That's fair. Um, so the other caveat to this is, yeah, sometimes it's blatantly obvious, but sometimes, you know, you're like a middling team right in the middle and, and you're crunching numbers, you're crunching numbers. You're looking at a team that just acquired somebody like Schroeder and they already had a good team to begin with. Like you, you made that trade with James, who's also in the Rotowire NBA podcast network frequently with Nick Whalen and James team is far and away in first place, and now he just made this trade. And so somebody like me is saying, wow, you know, we were neck and neck to begin with, and I would probably have given him the edge, and now he made that trade. I don't know. The caveat here is you can't wait too long either to start tanking. No. Because the best prospects and contracts will be gone. For instance, using James, last year you and I both thought that he threw in the towel way too early, but there was a really good Embiid contract out there. Embiid is essentially like as cheap as you could possibly have a player and it's Embiid. Um, And so because he was first to the market, he got Embiid, which was arguably the best contract in that particular league. And we can say what we want about him tanking too fast. He's reaping the reward right now of throwing, being the first one to throw in the towel. So there's a fine line between sticking it out because, you know, maybe you're crunching the numbers wrong or there could be an injury and just saying, you know what, I need to be the first to the market here. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, usually what will happen is there'll be some kind of injury because you'll, you'll, your player will be, or your team will be built around a, a marquee player, you know, James Harden or whoever it may be. Maybe Chris Paul was one of your top one or two players and he gets injured and that kind of pushes your hand that, that forces you to go out and sell. Um, 
I, I, I agree. It, it, James is a good example because last year I, I think he did throw in the towel too early. I thought he could have won last year. Mm-hmm. We um, both did. Uh, instead, he decided to rebuild, and he is he's going to win this year. Even before he made the trade with me, I looked at his roster. I'm like, he's far and away the best team. Yeah, and and because of that decision last year, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I think he could win next year and the year after that because of him throwing in the towel a bit prematurely last year. He he, I mean he he's our top. He's our lead prospect analyst. So of course he's he's always leaning towards the tank, and that's always what, kind of what we make fun of him for. But he's definitely going to be reaping the benefits. So you can't wait too long. Um, but usually you feel it in your gut, and and your head follows shortly. Thereafter. I mean, if it's a twelve or fourteen team league, you know there's there's going to be half the teams, if not more. You know, six to eight of the teams are going to be playing for a championship that year, playing to make the playoffs mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. So. Your, your market to acquiring those cheap contracts is already shrunk. Then you have to factor in that there's other guys shopping for those same players. Some of the, you know, players are going to get moved early. Players get moved later. But if you're not one of the first out on the market, you are going to miss out on those cheap, keepable contracts. Most definitely. It becomes a barren land. Assuming that, you know, in a keeper league, generally most people are active in those. And it becomes barren after a certain point. There's a mad rush and you really need to make a decision um, because, you know, the, the best prospects and contracts are going to go. Let's switch gears here and talk about season-long leagues, aka leagues that only last one season. They can be auction or draft as matter but essentially you picked a bunch of guys and you only have them for this year and this year only in season long leagues what attempts can be made shannon to salvage the season if somebody's looking right now at the standings and they're in that bottom third what attempts can they make right now still pretty early to salvage the season maybe get a third place prize second place prize and a long long shot to finish first you know, it's tough because in baseball, I would preach patience at this this stage of the season because right. baseball, I mean, I, for instance, in our redraft stake league for baseball, I was in 16th out of 17th place at the end of May and I ended up finishing second place. Um, I made very minimal trade movements. It was just sticking it out and knowing that some of the guys I drafted were going to bounce back. But basketball is not the same. A guy's not going to go, a guy you draft in the fourth round isn't going to go from hitting, you know, averaging eight points per game to averaging 25 points per game in the second half of the season. That's just not how basketball works. So it's, it's, you have to be more proactive in, in fantasy hoops. Um, you know, I would, the mantra of buy, uh, sell, sell high, buy low. That's certainly one to take. So targeting guys like Gallinari, who are just in a 10-game shooting slump, um, that's something to look into. Uh, trading, if you have a guy who has extremely high stock or is it, it, you know, a very attractive piece for, for other owners, moving him for two quality pieces to give your team more depth and better overall uh, production is certainly something to consider. You know, if, but really, buy high um, buy, buy low, sell high is what I'm doing right now. So I'm targeting guys like Gallinari. I'm pops, I'm possibly trading Andre Drummond, especially in rotisserie mm-hmm. leagues because his, his free throw percentage is going to drop. It, it's going to drop. It's, it's great that he's turned things around, done well recently. Um, but he just had, he had a dud, uh, just the other night and that his, his percentage dropped from like 70% down to 64% because of that one outing. Um, it's it's going to continue to drop. Sure, 
He'll be improved this year, but he'll have more 0 for 7 nights like he did on Wednesday. So sell sell high on guys like that and buy low on other guys who who you look at it, the production there, the minutes are there, just the, the shooting slumps or other obvious things that are going to correct themselves are, are in play. Yeah, and most likely, you, you know, you maybe had an injury, so maybe you drafted Chris Paul, Gordon Hayward high, or, or spent a bunch of money on that. That's understandable. My biggest point of advice to salvage your season right now, because it's going to become increasingly harder and harder as the season goes along to salvage your season, if you're in the bottom, you need to be proactive, is you need to trade your two, three best players, turn them into five or six players. So Shannon mentioned that briefly, but you need to... To spread yourself out and hope that you know multiplying the players you have, um, you know maybe somebody goes off in the second half of the season and that and that really works out for you. But I think you need to stretch yourself out. So Demarcus Cousins is having a great year. Trade him for three players. LeBron, of course, is having one of his best statistical statistical seasons ever. Try to play trade him for four players, four better players than you have right now. Um, so just and then. Ideally, you know, four players for LeBron are going to be, you know, your humdrum type of guys, but maybe you're increasing your odds of some of those guys going off and having a better, you know, two thirds of the season than the first third. So spread yourself out and you really have no other hope. You can't just hope that LeBron plays even better than he's playing right now because guess what? You're in last place. You know, the rest of your team stinks. So you need to spread yourself out. Lastly here, Shannon, on our broader topics, in DFS, is stacking a good idea like it can be for MLB? And for those of you unfamiliar with the term, it means targeting a game and essentially getting as many players from that game as possible, specifically targeting one team because you think they're going to have a bunch of points or the pace is going to be really fast. Is stacking a good idea like it is for MLB? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um it you know in in baseball you're you're stacking against a horrible opposing pitcher in basketball you're stacking against a horrible opposing defense so you certainly do that and and that's why we've talked about Phoenix and Brooklyn and Indiana and Chicago we've talked about those teams and their games almost every week when we talk DFS it's because those games are usually those defenses are all horrible the games are faster pace so you'll see that with with some of the DFS suggestions we have today. It's going to be those games that have the higher over-unders. You're going to want to stack and pick two or three guys from each team because that's the highest upside. Those are the guys who a lot of times they have a, a manageable salary amount and you can work multiple players in your lineup. So I think it's certainly a good approach when you're picking DFS. It's, it's, it's a mixture of that. Um, finding those guys who you know are going to get you 50 or 60 points, the studs, and, and then finding the guys like like Aaron Baines for tonight who are going, you know, should have a bigger role within the offense, should play more minutes because because of a injury to a teammate. Fantasy basketball fans, no surprise here. Basketball is back, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy basketball for the everyday fan. New contest starting every day. That means no busted seasons, even though we just tried to help you out with some advice on those busted seasons. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. All you do is pick a contest, select your select your players, and watch your score in real time. It's as easy as that. I know Shannon and I play every single day. In just about two minutes here, we're going to go over our FanDuel plays for this Friday. Shannon and I are... Two of over two and a half million players that have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special special offer for new users, that is, sign up today 
at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. Shannon, I teased it multiple times. Let's get into it. Our Friday FanDuel picks of the day. Now, before we get started, I want to be very clear here that there is a rare case in tonight's slate on FanDuel where most of the competitions tonight do not include the Atlanta at Detroit game. So keep that in mind. You can find them. You just need to go to the 7 p.m. late swap, but there's just not as many. Um, The majority of contests tonight on FanDuel exclude Atlanta and the Pistons, Shannon's favorite team. Keep that in mind. Not entirely sure why they did that, but they did it nonetheless, so be aware. We talked about them a little bit already. Uh, Boston front court, monitor that situation here on Rotowire, assuming Jason Tatum does not play. I still like Aaron Baines maybe a little bit more than you do, Shannon, but I really, really, really like Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart for seeing uh, perhaps even more minutes than they usually do. Yeah, I like Baines too. I, I I was trying to just soften the expectations. He he's forty eight hundred on DraftKings right now. Um, the center position is kind of hard to navigate tonight because you essentially you have you have Baines at forty eight hundred, probably the most attractive cheap option. Mid range options you have guys like Stephen Adams who who's questionable himself. Paul Gasol, who's who's old as hell, and then and then you get to expensive guys. So. It, it's a tough position. I would say if you want to go cheap, Baines is your guy. If you're looking at going for more expensive options, I'm going matchup based target here, and I'm going with with Nurkic. He's playing Brooklyn. It's the you know depending on the odds that you look at, it's the highest scoring game of the night or the second highest scoring scoring game of the night. And and Brooklyn's been the worst team in the league against opposing centers. So you know Nurkic's been kind of up and down this year. Uh, he's coming off one of his worst games of the season, but that was against that was against Memphis. The previous games, previous three against OKC, Los Angeles Lakers, and Utah, he topped forty five points in each each outing. So I'm looking for him to get back to that forty five fifty point range and have a big game against Brooklyn. I love Nurkic. I invested highly in Nurkic. Hasn't quite paid off for me yet this year, but I'm thinking he'll come along um, and and kind of hold his value or maybe even. Um, uh, past my expectations for where I drafted him at and how much money I spent on him. Since we're talking about center, I'm going to talk about your boy, uh, Miles Turner, $7,900 going up against Chicago tonight. That's a favorable matchup in and of itself. However, Robin Lopez has been dealing with an injury. It's possible he won't play tonight. He did return to practice Thursday, which suggests that he will play Friday. Uh, Even still, I like Turner. I like it even more if Lopez is limited. He's the only legitimate guy on that team. Um, I went and saw, like I've talked about before, the Bulls play the Thunder at the United Center, and the Bulls are just so incredibly bad, so bad. Miles Turner should be able to score at will and touch the ball at will tonight. So, um, you know, I like Nurkic a lot, but if I'm being honest, I think I'm going to take that extra $600 roll with Turner and go away from somebody who I like a lot in Nurkic with a good matchup himself. Yeah, I don't. I I, I will not debate Turner as a legit option tonight. Um, so a couple, one other cheap guy I want to bring up. You know, we mentioned Baines. You mentioned Smart, Smart and Rogier options. Cheap guy I like a lot is Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. The and and I don't find myself targeting Lou Williams on, on that regular basis, but the Los Angeles Clippers backcourt is just completely depleted right now. 
Um, everyone is hurt. Everyone. Uh, Tio Doshik, Beverly, both out. Uh, Austin Rivers is questionable with an ankle injury. They have no one. They have absolutely no one. I don't know how, you know, especially if Rivers is out as well, William, Williams has to play like 35 minutes. They don't have anyone else. So I love him at 5,500. Uh, would you take that risk? How, how do you feel about Williams? I like him a lot. Our optimizer on rotowire.com uh, slash daily, I believe, loves him a lot too. I think he has like the second highest uh, value per dollar that you would spend on him. And what I like most about Williams is he is not shy. He will go out there. He's going to look around at the guys ne- playing next to him, his teammates tonight, and say, uh, yeah, give me the ball. I'm going to jack it up a bunch. And we love that for fantasy. So um, he's somebody that I've already slotted into my lineup, and I'm looking to pair him at the shooting guard spot with somebody like uh, you know, a Terry Rozier, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, I mean, Williams is averaging 22 fantasy points per game so far. He's only playing between 18 and 25 on most nights. So if, if we're seeing him play an extra 10 minutes, 12 minutes tonight which is totally possible especially if rivers misses then he's gonna he's gonna put up some nice stats i could see him scoring easily scoring 35 fancy points most definitely that's it for my suggestions i think that aaron baines and lou williams you know will however be two of the highly highest owned players tonight you know at that at that price point i just think it's going to be hard for people to avoid those two is there anybody else uh, on a good value play that perhaps won't have the exposure that those two guys will shannon that you're looking at it's it's tough because i think there are three primary games to target you've got brooklyn portland and, and um Orlando Phoenix. Those are two highest scoring games. Both have an over under of over 220 tonight. Um, what depending on the lines you look at, they get as high as 225. Um, so you have you have Fournier, um, D- Demar Carroll. Those I mean 6800 on, on Evan Fournier is pretty damn good considering his production so far this season. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's at 7300. You've got. Uh, my boy Devin Booker's only 7,500. And, and then if you're, there's tons of guys, anyone, Aaron Gordon, 7,800, any of those guys are going to be a good play tonight. Uh, and then I also like the Indiana Chicago matchup. There's potential for a blowout. Um, Chicago's horrible, but like Darren Collison's 5,700 and, and Chicago's one of the worst teams in the league against opposing point guards. So I like him like Thad Young at 6,400. Turner's a solid play, especially with um, Sabonis is likely out tonight. So mm-hmm. that means both Thad Young and Turner should get extra run. Um, you know, any of those, any of those three games, I think you're going to find a good 12 guys who are worth looking into. There you go. Implement the stack rule that Shannon and I just talked about. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this fan- Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast presented by FanDuel. Have a good weekend.